I'm Dwayne Brummett. He's Ali Alborigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Alberigo, SchoolUnderTalk.com. Ali, great to be with you, sir. Yes, Dwayne, absolutely. And we have an amazing guest. And I, I noticed in our beginning of our intro, we have a, our old interview with Master Kovar on the actual intro video. <laughs> we yeah, do. So, so let me introduce this gentleman. I mean, it's, it's probably no introduction necessary to anyone out there who's in the martial art industry. But um, I, I have to tell you, I want to say that he has always been the nicest guy to me, always so respectful. Um, you know, going back, I remember spending time chatting with him in line. I, I think it was 20 something years ago at the Black Belt Hall of Fame or something that we were at. And we saw a preview for Ernie Reyes Jr.'s video movie that he was doing. But uh, I remember sitting with Master Kovar and talking to him. And I was like in awe because I had used his leadership team uh, manual and just being around him, he was so nice, so kind. And uh, I was like, wow, this is a true martial artist. Like he really is a great guy. And I, I hear from anyone who talks about him, who knows him, says the same thing. So Master Kovar, it's a pleasure to have a guy like you in our industry because in the industry, not everyone is like that. So it's so great to have you uh, in there and guiding people and welcome to our show. Uh, honored, honored to be here. Yeah, we're, we're lucky to be in the business that we're in for sure. Yeah, that attitude is everything, isn't it, right? I think that you talk about that all the time, the attitude of gratitude. Could you share a little bit about that well, with us? Well, you know, I, I think that sometimes we, uh, I mean, not just in our profession, every profession, you know, it's kind of like the grass is greener on the other side. Well, the grass is greener where you water it, right? And so often, like people expect, you look at other people and go, wow, look at their life. And the reality is, where can you go? What career can you have where you massively impact your community in a positive way, doing something you love, where you can support your family and there's no stress? It doesn't exist, meaning there's going to be stress. It's going to be hard work. And so I think one of the things that we just have to do is, is just be mindful of, of uh, kind of keeping our purpose clear. And for me, what that means is, is that, man, I've been, I'm sure you guys have experienced burnout before. I certainly have. But usually that happens when you lose sight of your vision. Now, some other things, too, like maybe you're not sleeping right or or exercising like you should or, you know, or, or, or you know, kind of your lifestyle is maybe out of balance. But the other thing is we just forget about the but the impact that we have. And, I, and for me, I start like literally every day when I go into my dojo, I, I, I put my key in the door. My uh, our our setup is our headquarters school is also uh, where our main school is also where we have our corporate office and, and, and whatnot. So when I go in there, I'm often the first guy there. And I'll put the key in the door and I'll take a second and just kind of remember how cool it was because it's a big building and I own the building. And, you, you know, when I first got it, I remember how, wow, how cool is this, right? It's yeah. so easy to forget that. And I'll wander through the school and I do this consciously. I, I got to say every now and then when I'm something comes up, I don't, I get it done maybe four out of five days, put it that way. And I'll go through every room in the school and I'll just try to take it in and remember how good it felt to open this place up and the, the memories that I've had there and the impact that that this school has had on so many people. And all of a sudden, when I sit down at my desk to deal with the challenges that are surely going to come my way, they're a lot more easy to swallow, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of coming in the, from the right mindset. Mm, that's great advice. That's sage advice. Amazing. 
Yeah, we could actually end now and everybody just go and do that. I mean, no, seriously, because like you said, we all experience that burnout and um, it's taken our eye off of our purpose um, is one of the primary reasons. So I I appreciate you saying that. I've never found that I burned out from the martial arts side, teaching and training and, and that stuff. I've always burned out from the business side. It was always that that parent that wrote a bad review or the person who didn't pay and, you know, said, Hey, you're all, I had a person recently, uh, you're all about the money. I said, well, you're two months behind on your tuition. Is there any way we could get that up to date? All you care about is the money. I'm pulling my kid out. And I go, okay, I, I understand. It wasn't really about that. It was, it was about them not having the money. And I tried to give them a, a gratis and a, you know, a gift for a few months, but they wanted to make me the bad guy. But those are the yeah. things that have always. Yeah, been- sure more heavily on me. Any suggestions on that? Like, how do you get over that? Stuff? Yeah. Well, you know what? It's such a great, I, I, it, it's such a great, you know, question to talk about. And it's something we all work through, but you know, it's not the event that, that affects us. It's how we respond to the event. Right. Mm, right. And, and I love this quote uh, by Plato and I, I, it's attributed, I believe to Plato. It's be kind with whom you meet for they are fighting a hard battle. And the concept is this guy that's in your face, he's got issues. You know, it's really not about you. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, like here would be the example. Let's imagine that, that uh, uh, you know, we're driving in traffic and you cut me off. Okay. Mm. Uh, scenario number one, I just, my dog just died. Uh, my wife left me and I lost my job and you cut me off in traffic. I probably handled the situation differently than if I just won the $10 million lottery. Right. Right. But you don't you don't know the difference. You just know one way I was gracious. The other way I gave you an interesting hand gesture. Right. (laughs) And and so when the guy spews negativity my way. And by the way, I'm not I'm not an expert at this at all. I I, this is something that, you know, that I don't enjoy. But I always try to think, wow, they're having a bad day. Man, that must be. And somehow that uh, that gets me to uh, you kind of deflect it. I remember uh, remember as a kid here and I'm rubber, your glue, whatever you say, bounces off me and sticks to you. Yep. Yep pretty good advice, man. You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, you just go, wow, they're having a bad day and do my best not to accept that negativity, you yeah. know, and, and then just move on. And then I don't know, man, you, you know, I'm sure it's in every profession, but I'm sure it wouldn't take too much for you guys to find something on social media where someone said something negative about you. Right. right. I, I know I can find plenty of stuff, but guess what? I don't look for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. How many things have people said bad about you or your school that you never knew they said doesn't bother you because you didn't know what happened. Right. right? So in other words, the more ignorant I can be about that, the better off I am. If that makes sense. That makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah. You, you, when you brought up about uh, getting cut off and and all that, it reminded me of uh, Zig Ziglar's story with regards to the, um, the boy kicking the cat, you know, like who's kicking yes, the cat? Yes. I forgot yeah. all about that story. That's the, who's, who's cat? Yeah. Oh, I remember that. I love that story. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And quite frankly, I'm just going to say this because Allie gave you a beautiful intro uh, is my favorite speaker of all time is Zig Ziglar. And when I had first met you, watched you, interacted with you, to me, you were the Zig Ziglar of the martial arts. That's oh, well, that is the, the, the way that I categorize you, um, not to, you know, put you on a pedestal, but I, I, I did and I still do because you remind me of him all the time with a lot of the things that you say and do. Well, thank you for thinking so. You know, it's interesting. I, I have this uh, a series of uh, we call them the, the leadership mindsets, and it's a presentation I'm doing a lot for CEO groups now, kind of outside the martial arts world. And it's it's kind of it's kind of my 
trying to bring martial arts into the mainstream. We've all tried to do this before. Mm -hmm. But one of the mindsets uh, that, that I got from Zig is, you know, how he had said, imagine everyone you meet has a sign on their chest that says, make me feel important. Well, one of the mindsets that, that, uh, that I try to uh, try to share is that uh, I, I make others feel important when I'm in their presence. You know, and it's a great reminder, like, 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 that's one of the things if I can, like, you're interacting it. And the other thing is, you know, man, it, it can't be, you know, there's the character ethic, as Stephen Covey talks about it, and the, and the personality ethic, right? And the personality ethic is we all know someone that can be friendly and, and, and you know, you know, they can say and I'll do all the right things, but behind closed doors, they're not that person, right? Sure. Then there's the character ethic. So the bottom line is you, you got to, I got to remind myself, you're not being nice because you try to get someone. It's just the right way to be, you, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, it's uh, uh, and by the way, it will come back. It will serve you greatly in your business, but that's not why yeah. you do it. So, so funny. I was just at the airport yesterday coming home and my wife was in the restroom. So I was standing off to the side talking to some woman about her pet and, you know, that how she got him on online. And this guy comes barreling into me and like literally knocks my luggage over. And, and I said to him, excuse me. And he just like gives me a look. And I, and he goes, you're in the middle. And I go, but you could have just said, excuse me. Right. And like, it's just such a simple act of kindness when you recognize, but people get very defensive and then they start to act outwardly at they blame you for their mistakes and that's a common thing that goes on nowadays yeah absolutely so I, i'm curious i wanted to throw this out here is um ali and i talk about this i i think i'm not trying to put uh i think i said it first but uh and ali agreed but i think that our industry the martial arts industry really is the last um the last line of defense i think and what i mean by that is you know we're the only industry that really i believe teaches character development leadership i mean there's so many skills that we teach and follow through we have rules i mean just all of these things that i think the kids aren't getting nowadays in in regular sports like they used to and or even school um i, I guess i'm curious what are your thoughts on that when i when i say that yeah know, really, yeah we're the last line of defense I, I, well i think that uh <laughs> forgive the reflection there guys uh but but i think that uh we certainly are probably the most conscious uh conscientious group when it comes to what we we give and and let me give you the reason why i think that is is that my kids played soccer for years both of them played for you know from kindergarten through first grade i mean through sixth grade and they had great coaches but uh there was never once when the soccer coach had to say now don't misuse your soccer on anyone and because of the nature of what we're teaching is potentially violent we're teaching you know dangerous techniques it really obligates us as martial arts instructors to swing the pendulum to the other side and to stress the importance of control, courtesy, respect, self-control, all the things that that aren't, they don't necessarily, they can happen in other sports, but it's not always a conscious effort on, on, on the part of the coaches or teachers. Uh, and, and so I, I definitely think that, that uh, you know, we have a unique grasp on that better than most, once again, because of the yin-yang balance, because we're teaching, you know, potential violence. That's interesting. I, I wonder, I've been, I've been trying to think more and more these days about why people are not flocking to traditional martial arts versus let's say MMA or, uh, you know, uh, Krav Maga and other systems like that. And I think it's because there is a heavy load of responsibility, whether it be in the learning 
of it or, you know, um, you know, studying and, and mastering technique, or it's, uh, you know, it's, it's about the, the respect level and all that. So what do you think about that? Like tradition versus sport martial arts and so on? Yeah, I think that, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think you can still, like, I look at it, our, our style, what we teach is pretty progressive, right? But we teach it in a very traditional fashion. It mm -hmm. looks very traditional, but the techniques have, you know, we've modified through the years as we're, as we're moving along. Um, I, I don't, I, I still think with, a, with kids, traditional is, is a, a big draw. With adults, I see it being way less of a draw now. I mean, sure. I, I think the programs that are doing really well uh, with adults are jujitsu and Muay Thai schools. You know, mm -hmm. that's what you see. There's yeah. exceptions with traditional programs uh, because maybe the person, the instructor is super charismatic or he's just got it going on. But in general, we even see it in our schools is that, you know, our jujitsu program tends to attract more, way more adults than our, our, uh, our other program. Although our other program is pretty progressive. It still looks traditional. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's a great, great answer. I, I appreciate that. So do you want to, let's move on. Cause I know we'll run out of time real quick. Cause you have so much knowledge. So I know we had talked about a few topics that we could talk about. One is retention. The other one was a little bit about staff development. The other was grassroots marketing and then multiple locations. That's like four hours worth of <laughs> podcasting right there. So, and, and I know I'm going to have you on um, the other podcast this Friday because I'm sure we'll have way more to cover too over on, on the spillover. But um, so talk to us about retention, maybe give Dwayne and I some insight on what you do and what you think and so on. Well, I, I think it's, it's really, uh, I, I, it's the, it's the thing that nobody likes to talk or doesn't, I should, People think their retention is great. Don't tell me how to, well, you know, I, I once students enroll in my school, they never quit. Don't, right. don't, I don't have to worry about that. Just tell me how to get new members. You guys both know that what I'm talking about because you yes. hear it all the time as well. Yes. But the reality is, is retention is like, I think the key to being, it's still a great time to be in the martial arts industry. But the difference between now and like back in the 90s is you could be mediocre in the 90s and still make a good living teaching martial arts. Mm -hmm. uh, anymore, you can't. You got to be good. You know, and, and the difference is, is the retention is, is what really makes that work. And, uh, and so what, what are some things you can do for retention? First and foremost, I, I think there's three things at the very beginning that we need to get new members uh, focusing on. If we can get our new members to do these three things are, uh, at first, then we're going to set them up for success. And, and the first one is, is get them in a habit of coming to class. And this is what I mean by that. You know, we are all familiar with how to do DNS calls and, uh, you know, it, but the bottom line is if you only do your calls, like let's say every Friday you do your DNS calls and you got a brand new member and they showed up on a, they enrolled on a Monday. They didn't show up on Wednesday. They don't get a call on Friday because they were in Monday. It right. might be a week and a half before they get a call. So with new members, the sooner you can reach out to them, like imagine if I'm supposed to come in on Mondays and Wednesdays at six o'clock and uh, at five after six, I'm not there. I get a text from my instructor saying, hey, you missed class today. Can you make it up tomorrow? then you're, you're going to help them get in the habit because most people don't quit their program because they're, they lost interest. They quit their program at the beginning because they never developed the habit of coming to class. They're already doing something Mondays and Wednesdays at six o'clock. It might be just watching Netflix or playing in the backyard or cooking dinner, but they're doing something else and we have to reestablish that habit. So that's number one. Hmm. Uh, number two is we have to help them develop what I call a white belt moment. That's that moment that you both have that we all had. Maybe we had more than one where we think, man, I love this stuff. I love this martial arts. How soon can we get people to really have that aha, that buy-in that this is for me, right? That's number two. And number three is get our students thinking long-term. 
And, and that is, is that that's why, you know, that's the original intention behind the black belt club. Whether you do a black belt club or not is really secondary. To the fact that are you programming, are you planting seeds for long-term training out of the gate? And I think this is especially important with the post COVID parent. We've noticed a big difference, how much easier the post COVID parent is in letting their child out of things. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not. Oh, as well, absolutely. As well. And so, we're on a big, uh, like, like a mission to re-educate because you can throw your hands up and say that's the way it is or you can do something about it. So we're trying to really re-educate our new members about the importance of long-term training. What does that mean exactly? So let's say I'm, I go to one of our schools and I visit some, uh, I see some parent and their daughter's nine years old and I say, hi, Mr. Colvar, nice to meet you. And she goes, oh, yeah, you know, we talk. I say, you know, your daughter's going to be trained with us until she goes away to college, don't you? That's just something that's going to roll off my tongue. Right. And then I'll point out the class and I'll find some 15 year old that's assisting in the class. I'll so see, see Marsha out there. She started when she was about your daughter's age. Look at her. There's something amazing that happens when a child grows up in a martial arts school. By the way, you, you guys can both vouch for the fact that that's absolutely true. Yes. Yeah. And so, but, but yeah, there's so many reasons why people are going to quit along the way. We have to try to do everything in our powers out of the gate to hit, to get those three things. And that there's a lot more we can do for retention, but I think that really sets it up nicely. I do have a question. I have two questions for you. One is related to what you just said. And the other is, are you in self-driving mode right now? I apologize. My wife is driving. So, oh. so forgive I, me. I, no, I, 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 I'm I, not in self-driving mode, but I do have it. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. I, I love my self-driving mode in the car. Like it's people, I pretend like I'm sleeping half the time. So when I ask people, they, they think that I'm asleep. Yeah. You know what? I still stress out over it. Like I, I don't feel like it, it, you know, I'll put it on, but I'm still paying attention because yeah, I'm thinking, you know, yeah. something doesn't, I, I don't know that it really makes me more relaxed yet. And I've, yes. I've had a Tesla for years. I still like, I'm not a hundred percent body. In. I, I know the feeling. So, so my question that I had when you were talking about, about habits, right? So obviously the, the parent has to develop the habit when they have children. So it's, it's us having to convince that parent. And I think that that's my most difficult dilemma lately is to get the parent to commit. Like you said, post COVID, they're willing to let them out, quit. It's, we don't want to force them, you know, all the different excuses. What do you do to really connect that parent to the program? I think the most important thing is, is uh, uh, prophylactics versus therapeutics. So let me explain what I mean by that. If you wait until a child wants to quit and then you have a conversation with them about, you know, the parent wants to, is not sure they want to do this anymore. And you talk about the importance of long-term training. They're kind of, they've already checked out. They've already checked out yeah. probably, but early in their training, when they're still excited, if you say, Hey, you know, how's your, how's your daughter love and like training? Oh, she loves it. That's great. Well, just know that she's going to want to quit at some time. Yeah. Everybody does. And, I, but if you're like, I'm guessing you're the kind of parent that wants your child to develop perseverance, right? right? And the only way you develop perseverance is, is by not quitting when they want to. So when that happens, let us know, by the way, I, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of parents that let their child develop the quit muscle. And the quit muscle is, is when you, is, you don't want a strong quit muscle. You don't want your child to yeah. have a strong quit muscle. And that happens when you let them quit easily. And so just know it's going to happen. And when it happens, just that, you know, just come talk to us. We'll get them through it. Everybody ever got their black belt wanted to quit. And so now you preform that ahead of time. So when there's, when the child doesn't want to go to class, uh, they, a lot of times they might go, Oh, just like what Mr. Kovar said, keep going with Bobby. Or, you know, now we have a chance, but what's important to quote Stephen Covey is you can't talk yourself out of a situation you behaved yourself into. And what that means is if your program is only mediocre, it doesn't matter 
how slick your your presentation is, right? It's right. like so it starts a course with having a really good great program, and then from there it's like an ongoing message. Like one of the things that I'll do every time, like I'm a guest instructor at our one of our schools or somebody else's, and I'm maybe teaching a kids class. I will uh, um, I'll say at the end of class. All right, kids, how many guys didn't want to come to class or wanted to quit, but your mom or dad made you go? And this is what happens every time. The kids look back to see if their mom and dad are watching, and they realize, okay, their hand goes up, right? And then I look at the parents, and I say, see, moms and dads, you weren't alone. It happens to everyone. And now, now, kids, how many guys are glad you wanted to quit but came to class, and then you're glad you did? All the hands go up, see? So, you know, it, so I'm kind of programming that in, you know, on a regular basis. And then we drip out information to our parents. Like one med lesson we're talking about is, is how to, uh, you know, if your child doesn't want to go to class, and this is stuff you all know, but it's like a, on a consistent basis, then have them do something they don't like doing when it's time to go. Like yeah. have them doing chores or homework and then ask them if they want to go to class. Because if they're playing with their friend or doing a video game, of course they're not going to want to go to class because they're present focused. So then we just have all these kind of ongoing messages we're constantly kind of dripping out to our parents. And that does not cure the problem. Yeah, you know, of retention, but it sure does help it out. And really, it's it's all those little minor things that make the big difference. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that those are such. I've been look at. I've been open for thirty three years this year, and it's still the same struggle since I started. And although the new generation of parents and students are much more difficult than they ever were, and I've seen it declining as the years go by, as far as dedication and commitment and grit, you know, and it's amazing. I, I'm really blown away by what we have to deal with on a regular basis just to keep people happy and engaged. Yeah, but no doubt. I, I love that you said the term that you use that, you know, you don't want a strong quit muscle. I mean, I, that I actually wrote it down on a paper. I'm going to quote it later and put it up on, you know, of course, David, uh, since uh, Dave Kovar's quote, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's incredible. So Dwayne, any questions on some of the other topics? Yeah, I know that um, everybody is on the on the web and they're focused on, you know, their SEO, the Google um, placement, the, uh, you know, their social media uh, ads and all of those things. Um, so we all get that we need to be doing those things. But what else can we be doing uh, besides those things to give us an extra edge? Well, you know, what's old is new again, right? And and sometimes I know in our schools, you know, we got so reliant on our, uh, you know, uh, you know, on, on our social media that maybe we backed off on some of the traditional stuff, right? Uh, but I would go back to, man, I, I know you guys would attest the very best leads are re referrals, right? And, yes. and you know, there's absolutely always, the, you know, the best leads. And and I, I would start with, with a like, like really looking at a strong referral campaign. And for me, what does that mean? Getting in the habit of asking your your raving fans, your your students, and their, their parents uh, who enjoy the program, do you know if anybody can benefit from our program? So imagine if every day, you know, in your conversation out in the audience, when you're walking through and you're talking with parents, and you and you have all these conversations. And by the way, you can't out of the blue never talk to somebody and walk up and say, "Do you have any friends that can benefit from the program?" You know, it's kind of an ongoing subject, and you know, you're. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really important that we develop relationships, not just with our students, but with their families as well, right? Because it's harder to quit a relationship than it is a, a, an activity, right? And then uh, from there, excuse me, that should be the last bump of the day here, guys. All right. Uh, and, then, and then from there, once we've done that, then it makes everything way easier when it comes to uh, – uh, being able to keep them for the long haul. I forgot. I lost my train of thought. 
Uh, yeah, we were, we, were talking, we were talking about the referrals and then we, we chatted about, you know, uh, how, how important those are as far as grassroots marketing. Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, bottom line is, so asking everybody, uh, like imagine if just one time a day you asked a parent for, asked for a parent for a referral and uh, that's 20 in a month, right? Yeah. So you're not going to get 20 new members from that, but I guess you're going to get two or three, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and then imagine if every day, every day out in public, you found a reason to have a, some, a conversation with someone about martial arts training. You know, and you know, you guys have both done it. You've been somewhere and someone saw your t-shirt, they asked you a question, next thing you know, you're out in a, you're passing out a business card, right? But imagine right. if every day you went out of your way. You guys know who Solomon Brenner is. Solomon of Brenner course. runs a chain of schools in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. And and the guy, you know, they've got like 30 locations now. And I go out to his place, you know, probably three times a year and and work with the team a little bit. And they're, you know, they're 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 on fire, man. They're doing it. But I'm with I'm a few months ago, I'm with him and we're having lunch at a Chipotle and it's and uh he goes, oh, wait a minute. And he walks out back to his car and he comes back in and he's not doing this to impress me. Okay. Uh, he saw a bunch of families with kids and he starts passing out guest passes to everybody in the Chipotle. And this is a guy that's really successful. That's been doing this a long time that has multi-schools, but he's not above doing that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. imagine if you had one conversation every day. Okay. You had 20 conversations a month. You're not going to get 20 new members, but you're going to get one or two. You know right, what I'm yes. And and so it's that, and and then uh, that, and then of course the classics, buddy days, birthday parties, belt promotions, uh, all those things that we, that that we've all had success with, uh, that aren't sexy, uh, but man, they work. They work. Yeah. Well, we did. Um, I was just going to mention. I was just going to mention that, Twain. Go. Yeah. Tell them. So a couple of years ago, this was right before COVID, but we didn't do it uh, because COVID hit. But my my head instructor at our main location. He had uh, talked about a uh, uh, martial arts appreciation day. And I, I said, and in, in the whole conversation, we made it bigger than that. So we made it a martial arts appreciation month and we called it International Martial Arts Appreciation Month. Fictitious, but we did. Uh, and we launched it last year was our first one. This year was our second one. But basically... Uh, the whole premise was the whole month we're celebrating the martial arts. So all the mat chats at the end of every class are uh, little snippets on different martial arts heroes that our instructors have and who they are in the martial arts and, and why, you know, that person was important to them. And then from there we did uh, like social media videos. So all of the instructors created their own appreciation videos for the martial arts. And of course we launched that. And then we did a contest for our own students. And then of course they would be entered in to win. And then we put those on all of our uh, social media channels as well. All of that to say, we created a whole event to have a buddy week. That's all it was. And then uh, the first year we ran it, I think we had, what did I say, Allie? Like seven, 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 yeah, like 70 people come in. Uh, we killed it this last year. Uh, we had over 160 people come in that whole week wow. to do basically a buddy week. And then to Allie, uh, this was Allie's. He said, why don't you make a T-shirt, get sponsors, give free T-shirts out to everybody. So we did all of that. Um, it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. And we got, I think we signed up 14 people uh, just from that, uh, yeah. that event. I'm still signing people up from it. And by the way, the T-shirt was a big deal. That really got, you know, because... There was more effort for for their work, you know, bringing a friend in. Now they got a shirt and a shirt for their friend, so yes. it really that really worked, and it didn't cost us a penny. In fact, I made money 
um, a profit on making my t-shirts because I had so many sponsors and they paid for the shirt plus some. So yeah, uh, well, it really, I didn't do very good. I spent about 300 bucks on the yeah, t-shirts, no, but that's I mean, all right. Yeah. I made about a thousand bucks on the shirt itself and I still have tons left. But that's to that, your point is that's the old school stuff. We just spun it in a different way because everybody, it's, everything's event oriented now. So everything's got to be yeah. an event. So by the way, what month do you do that on? We did that in September. So you ought to, if you haven't, you ought to get to other people. I mean, we should make that something. That's pretty cool. You know, that's yeah. pretty cool. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, like, like let's make it a, you know official on a bigger scale. I, I think that that's, that's a, a great idea. Yeah. See, yeah. that's, that's exactly, that's, that's taken a, you know, the old event, but giving it, giving it, you know, a new life to it. I love it. I love it. So sensei, uh, we've spoke a little bit about retention, a little bit about grassroots marketing and, and now um, let's talk about, you know, um, I guess the next would be for like somebody who's looking to open additional locations. I know that was my dream. At one point I had six schools locally, four or five out of the country. And then I kind of scaled back a little, but I know a lot of people want to expand and grow. Um, any advice for those people? Turn and run. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I just dropped. You notice I've been playing fiddle. My, my, forgive me, guys, for the close-up there. I just dropped one of my uh, – my ears never have fit right with these things, man. Same so thing with I, me. I don't know. <laughs> when I'm eating and moving my jaw, my headphones are always falling out. <laughs> yeah. I usually have the little clips, but I forgot them. Anyway, so I, I'm just kidding. You know, having more than one location is great. I, I My company owns eight. We have – uh, soon to be nine licensed locations. Um, but honestly, I would be happy just having one school lean and mean in the trenches. I like that lifestyle. And so if you're going to open multiple locations, there's four things you got to have. Okay. Uh, number one, you have to be uh, financially solvent enough to do so. What does that mean exactly? It costs a lot of money to open a martial arts school. I mean, you know, it, it all varies. You know, I, certainly I've opened up martial arts schools on a shoestring, right? Where I found some facility and that, you know, it was already laid out and I was able to go in and throw some mats down and be in business. But really, we budget 120K to open up a new school. And that's not being unrealistic at all. Okay. Plus, then it's going to take a while to be, to get to, to break even point. By the way, if you're the guy that owns it and you had no other opportunity, other option to get it to break even in three months, guess what? You'll probably do it. But when you're, have a layer under you doing it. They're going to work hard, but they're not going to work as hard, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's going to take a little longer. So, you know, it could take up to a year to get to break even, hopefully faster than that. So you have to be financially able to do that. That's number one. Uh, number two is you have to have the team. And what do I mean by that? You can't say, hey, my, my brother-in-law, Bob, is going to run location two and I'm in location number one. And that's how we're going to work it. It never friggin' works. Brother-in-law, Bob, ends up, you know, falling in love with his, uh, you know, somebody else leaving his wife and moving to Florida and you're out of business. You know, now you're running two locations. Uh, so you've got to be able to take yourself out of the equation. You can be at the any location you want as much as you like, but you can't have to be. OK, right. so you really need to be out of the equation. And, and that's that's number two. Uh, number three uh, is that you really have to have uh, a, a great lease. So, you know, that and and in our we had it, we attempted an international expansion that didn't work very well. We lost a lot of money in the process. And and one of the things that we did is we were uh, we we weren't stingy with our lease negotiations as we could have been. So it has to be a, you know a great location for a great price. 
Okay. Uh, and that doesn't mean you're not paying like we have some top dollar spaces, but the top dollar spaces are smaller locations to where it's in a great area and we're paying a little more for, a, a, you know, a smaller footprint. And so that's three. Number four is that you have to want to do it. You have to have the right mindset. And so if you don't have all four of those things, forget about it. And it's usually the staff development piece that people are missing. Okay. Yeah. Well, like you said, if you're, if you are out of the equation and you have the staff and the money, then you basically have everything to be able to launch it then. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. So how do you, Sensei, how do you get to the point where, and the reason why I ask this is because I always struggle with this is how do you get to the point where your mindset is you don't have to be there. Like even I, I'm able to go away. I was just away for six days and not a worry in the world. And actually my main guy actually went away on a ski trip uh, doing a snowboarding. So we had our, our, our other staff members covering the dojo and it ran without a hitch, but I'm always worried. I'm always micromanaging to a certain point. Like what was it, what did it take for you to kind of extricate yourself and not, you know, you know what I mean? Not really. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. First off uh, is that I have not extricated myself from my business. Like, like I think about it all the time, probably more than I should, even when I don't need to, you, you know, yes. uh, and like, you know, even watching the Super Bowl yesterday in the back of my mind, I'm going, there's probably something I could do that little voice, you know, for yeah, work yeah. right now. Right. And I'm trying, I'm dealing, I, I got to work through that because, uh, but I love what I do. So it's not like I have this, I like, I yeah. like Mondays just as much as Sundays, you know, it doesn't really right. matter the day. Uh, but I'm not in any location anymore. And what it is, is that, is that you have to, uh, but I'm still at the corporate office every day. I still connect with my guys. I, I think you, you, first off, you have to have the right people. And then even yeah. if they're not fully ready, at one point we were all brand new and we, we didn't know what we know now and, and experience goes a long way. So if someone's half ready, then you just gotta, they're ready, you know? And then uh, you gotta be, uh, you gotta kind of let them blossom to a certain degree. That doesn't mean you're helping them, not help them along the way, but you gotta let them fail a little bit and you gotta be okay with that. And it, it's a really hard transition. I remember this is going back cause it's been a long time since I've been in the trenches, like, like, you know, every day, it's probably been at least 20 years since I was like teaching back-to-back classes all day, right? right? right. And I remember when I finally, maybe longer than that, but I was still teaching my Monday, Wednesday black belt class at our headquarters school. And I, I realized I needed to step away from that and have someone take over. And I had a really good guy to take over. And I, and at the time the class was like 35 people, it was packed and it was an adult class. Okay. And, 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 uh, and I remember thinking, oh man, this is the, they're, they're, you know, this is not going to go well. The class is going to dwindle. So after about a month of this, I'd stepped out the month, uh, floor for a month. My guy that was covering the class goes, hey, sir, can you cover my class on Monday? Uh, I need to take care of something. I go, certainly. And I expected to go back to class to see a class of 15 and everybody whining about why I'm not there. I show up, there's 40 people in the class and all they want to know is where's Sensei Richard? <laughs> it was yeah. kind of hard on the ego, right? But actually it's it exactly what you want, you know? So, yes. so you just, if you have the right person and you train them right, then you just kind of kind of let nature take its course. Yeah. That's well, let me ask you this. Uh, I don't know if you dealt with this, but I know that I, I think I still deal with it is when I removed myself uh, from the day to day, I, I, I go, what is my purpose? Like, what do I do yeah. now? Mm -hmm. did, did you ever struggle with that? I still do. Absolutely. Okay. I still do. Yes. Yes. No doubt. And, and uh, I think that, you know, you've got to, it's kind of like in your better moments, this is where I, I spend a lot of time. I don't think there's anything more important than, 
you keep in your center and and you know that's you at your best right it's 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 called you know you've all been in flow state being in the zone whatever you want to call it right and uh, but when you do that there's there's a phrase that i i heard one time it's called spontaneous right action and that means when you're in the right mindset whatever challenges you get thrown your way you just handle it really well like we saw if you watch the super bowl yesterday patrick mahomes did that yesterday like you know like he couldn't do anything wrong right if you were watching i'm not that big of a football fan but i always watch the playoffs in a few Mm. games it's like he was just totally in this flow state well so what where am I getting at about purpose? Is it's kind of like when you're there and whatever that means, is a walk in nature, is it meditation, is it martial arts, whatever gets you kind of the right mindset, uh, that's when I feel like I, that's when I'll kind of get an intuition as to where I should be spending my time. And that's when I that's the voice I listen to versus the one when I'm stressed out or feeling guilty or something like that. That's 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 when I usually the the, the wisdom isn't as is, is uh, strong, if that makes any sense at all. It, it totally no, it makes does. 100% sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I kind of look at myself. I heard a, um, I don't know if you've heard of Ray Comfort before, but he's a, um, an evangelist and he, he talked about, he goes, uh, he, cause he'll go into churches and, and those type of things, but he, he goes, he says, you know, there's an evangelist and there's a, there's a pastor. He goes, I'm an evangelist. I go in, I stir everything up, I leave. And then the pastor's got to clean up my mess. And I relate to that because mm-hmm. I am not a good pastor. Even though that's what I was doing when I was doing the day-to-day work, I was pastoring my flock, if you will, but I am not good at that. I'm, I'm a much better evangelist where I will go in and I, I get everybody fired up and I get them motivated and I, you know, and then I leave and then, you know, Mr. Bean, my head instructor of the studios, then got to clean up my mess, you know? I so get that. So my goal when I go to the schools, I, I definitely am a shiny object guy. You know, like I have to discipline that because I want to go off on a million different tangents. And I got my 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 hand in a, a million different projects, way more than I should. Right. And I always have to uh, try to find a way to. But it's just how I'm wired. But my goal when I go to the schools is I have to remind myself, you know, I'm a pretty good instructor. I can, you know, especially when you're the guest instructor, no one knows your jokes. You know, whatever you teach is yeah. new and, you know, and I got a little, but, you know, my goal is not to go in there and go, wow, I don't want, you know, it's great if they think I'm a good instructor, but my goal is to show up and edify my team. And when I leave that class, wanting my, my, the students there to be grateful for their instructors and to be recommitted to training at the school, you know, that's kind of, and so, uh, and, and then the other thing I look at is, is I, I want to be there for my team. And so if in doubt, what I'll do with my time, if I have some moments is I try to just connect, you know, with, with, uh, uh, with guys on my team and, and, uh, and, and just simple, like, and by the way, you know, coach John Wooden had a quote. He said, uh, someone asked him, he was the famous UCLA basketball coach. Right. And someone said, do you like all you, do you love, you, do you love all your players? Do you like all your players? He goes, I love all my players. Some of them I don't like at all. Right. But then he goes on to say, uh, he goes, so how do you do such a great job with your players? He goes, I treat everyone the same by treating them differently, meaning what they need. And so like, I got certain things that I know with my guys have been a long time, certain things that motivate them and certain conversations that work with this person and not with that person. And I try to really kind of, kind of, you know, be tuned into what my team needs from me. And it might not always be the same thing. What do you, what do you do when you, when you have some instructors that have been under you that are running things that start to get too confident in their ability where you no longer uh, can advise them or you could no longer be their sensei. They know it all. They're, they got better ideas. Do you think that's a point where 
we have to retrain or do we break away <laughs> or is that a problem? Well, I have a couple different thoughts. One of them is the concept of retrain, relocate, replace, right? So the first thing is retrain. And, and one of the things you certainly get that. What I will do if I have that guy is I'll, I'll say, hey, uh, Dwayne, do you value my opinion? What's he going to say? No. You know, and that's kind of my starting point. I, I just want to, can we have a candid conversation? Anytime I have a conversation with someone, what I've found is that if I'm in a negative, if I'm stressed out or angry, it never goes well. So I wait until I had a good workout with them. We're in good rapport. You know what I'm saying? The guard is dropped. Yeah. That's when I have the conversation. And I try to do it with, with empathy and love in my heart, so to speak. Yeah. And then the conversation always goes better. That's the starting point. And, but, but the other thing is, it's the natural course of things. It's called, uh, um, you might be familiar with the term shuhari. Shuhari is a Japanese term. Basically, it's, it talks about the first 10 years of training, you do is exactly what I say. Mm -hmm. The second 10 years of training, ah, you know, you and I will kind of work together. Third years of training, you've learned enough, you're on your own, right? right. It's kind of the natural evolution. And I actually have a bit of this because I have guys that have been with me literally for 30 years that are still with me. Right. And that's way more good than bad. But I've got some guys that have been with me 22, 23 years that are really good that kind of don't want as much input. And we still, yeah. but they're still on the team. And we, we find a way to, I think working with a team is more art than science. There is very few absolutes. You, right. know, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, you just kind of have to know how to work with people. And and, and also be, be, be ready to like, like, uh, I've got a bunch of guys that have gone on to do their own thing. I have a really good relationship with pretty much all of them. Yeah. And, uh, there comes a point when you got to let someone go if they, or, or let them go, you know, or, right. or encourage them to leave. I've romanced a lot of people out the door, uh, where, you know, I said, Hey, you can stay here and work with me if you'd like, <laughs> or you can open up your own school, which would you like to do work with me or open up your own school, you know? Right. And, 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 uh, and, and so, uh, that that there comes a time for that, That's and for the listeners, because in case you, because some of some people won't see the video, they'll just hear the audio. When Mr. Kobar was saying that, would you rather work with me? He was shaking his head no, <laughs> and you know, and then would you like to open up your own studio? He's shaking his head yes. So just to clarify that for the listeners, <laughs> That's awesome. so I had. I, I had an incident happen. This was a long time ago. I had a gentleman that was a head instructor at one of our schools, and this school is killing it. It's doing amazing. And he's a very personality-driven school, uh, and students love him. And he's doing some stuff that just – he was going through a rough time, a divorce, and he just wasn't his best self. And it was not working. And there was things happening in the school that couldn't happen. And I also knew – see, in the state of California – there is a non-competition clause. Don't, don't there, there is they're null and void. Ah. They're, they're actually illegal. Interesting. So there's nothing we can do to keep that to keep the guy across one of our schools guys to open up across the street. Absolutely nothing we can do. There's some non-solicitation stuff you can do, but good luck enforcing that. Yeah. Right. It's just you don't want to go down a path. So we've got this situation where I also know it's a very wealthy community, and and he's got a lot of it's people in the school that are very wealthy that would be more than happy to back him in a location. Okay. And so I'm realizing uh, uh, that, that, you know, he's got to go, but if I fire him, it's going to cost this school at the time at 500 members. If I fire him, I'm going to lose half those members. It's going to cost the business hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Like initially. Right. So what I did is I had this conversation with him and I basically said, Hey man, you don't have, you can stay here. Uh, you can stay here or you can open up your school. We actually financed his school out of pocket to have his own school, but we were able to control where it was. We put him in a really nice area, but it was 18 miles away from the current member school location. Part of the stipulations, he couldn't solicit new members and he edified the new instructor coming in 
You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it worked perfect. It was it was a blip in the screen. It was it, it works great. It was worth. And we and we put up a big chunk of money to help him. By the way, we got it back. He paid us back over time. And I know I was talking to someone who said, "You did what? You have a you have a disgruntled employee. You're financing this location." And uh, but it was the best. You know, when we pay sixty thousand bucks, we got it back. But it was the best sixty thousand dollar loan that I've ever given. That's great. Right. Sensei Herb Perez, who you know, uh, just said, uh, better to get rid of the cancer and live your best life. Can't fix disloyalty or incompetence. Master Perez. Hello, sir. Yeah. <laughs> good, so good, so good. we're running a little bit like we have 15 minutes left and it's going to go quick. I know we want to talk about an event that you're hosting. And, and then I have one final question or Dwayne, I don't know if you have another final question, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about this event that you have. Yeah. Coming. So we've been doing, we've been hosting events for a long time, but we started uh, in 2017, started, we have these regional events called ProMax stands for Professional Martial Arts Community, right? And we do one at ProMax on the East Coast, on in, in Texas, and also on the West Coast several a year. And we do one event, it's called ProMax International, and it's going to be hosted in this Sacramento, uh, a, a May 16th, 17th, and 18th. We have, it's very, it's very heavy martial arts based. So there's tons of great information when it comes to business, tons of great information when it comes to uh, uh, teaching and then there's also you could spend three days just doing just martial arts training with us with high level guys and and yeah so if anybody wants to find out more about it you can go to cobarsystems.com and look for events yeah but it's a it's a great event we've had uh, uh, you know a super good turnout the last several years and and uh, anybody that's that looking for something especially now that the super show isn't around right for the time being somewhere to go uh, it's it's a great event and i'd love to have you guys attend so uh once again that's that's uh, may 16th 17th and 18th in sacramento and you can find that at at, at uh kovarsystems.com under events and that's systems with an s.com yes yeah i'm it. gonna i'm gonna post that link right in here in our in our page in the in the thread but if anyone has any questions, I'm sure they could reach you on Messenger on Facebook or um, reach out to myself or Dwayne, and we will help get you the information so that people could come. So I know you mentioned what you do there. So you actually have different tracks, physical side, yes. people are yes. training and physically, then you have the business side as well. Yes, absolutely. So we kind of have three, three tracks. It, it, and of course, uh, we'll have this at a time, right? And people can go switch from time to from from track to track. But basically, we have a martial arts track where there's a heavy emphasis on on both traditional and progressive martial arts uh, uh, there. And we'll have a teaching track. So we're really super staff friendly. I think that's what makes our our unique our event unique is that I kind of know because I have a big team. I know what people are looking for in their team, and I also know the concerns people have when they send their team to somebody else's events yeah. what they're going to put in their head right and i'm very conscientious of that so we have a whole track kind of designed for people for their staff That's so, and, and, it, and it's not like I, i've gone to events where people are saying you got to open your own school and i've got my guys that go well yeah. that's an option but you know not necessarily yeah, right I, I mean uh and, and i've so, had that and then we've had that where i almost i'm like oh my god i think i'm going to lose my staff they're going to open yeah. up their own location Exactly. And so and that's something we're very conscientious of. And then, of course, we'll have a very strong business track as well. And nice. uh, yeah, so it's a uh, uh, it's a, a, a I you know, it's always been a great event. I got a great team. We have a lot of people from, you know, from our community that participate. And and I don't have the, the agenda of all the speakers yet. We're still working that up, but it'll be it'll be it'll be great.
Thanks for the, awesome. the pitch, the plug. Yeah, no, no problem. Sensei Toby Milroy, he said, please send him an ad um, and that he'll do something in the Martial Art World magazine. So he's a good All friend. Right. Of mine. He's a great yeah, guy. Master Toby's a great guy. He's always there for you. He's always out. Thank you, sir. I will definitely send you something. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, Dwayne, do you have a last question or anything? Yeah. I Well, I, I just, I'm curious um, where you see, let's say, the next five to 10 years of the martial arts industry. Um, I, I respect your uh, your thoughts on that. You've seen so, not to call you old, but you've seen so much, you know, in the past, yeah. <laughs> see where we're at currently. Like, what do you see for the next five, 10 years? That's you know, it's question. funny. It's This has been like my 46th year of owning a school, right? When I hear someone else say, yeah, I was in the law enforcement for 20 years. I go, wow, that's a long time. I'm like, wait a minute. I've been, yeah. So it's been, it's been a good run. Right. But uh, uh, I think here's, here's my take. If you're wondering if there's going to be more schools opening up or not, the answer is absolutely there is. And I'll tell you why, because we're better at teaching and we keep people longer and people are seeing the potential of this as a career. So get used to the fact that there's a martial arts school around every corner in the country. It's not going to lessen up, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's all we have to do is raise the, the, you know, the consciousness of the general public towards martial arts. And there's plenty of students for everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like uh, if there's right now, I, I don't know. This sounds about right. I heard a statistic. There's about 3% of the population trains in martial arts, something mm -hmm. like that. All we need to do is get it to five or six. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's really it. Right. That's why yeah. if there are competition, if there are school competitors out there, hope they're good. Hope they're good competitors. You know what I'm saying? Because a bad competitor doesn't do anybody good. If, if I do a bad job in Sacramento, you both suffer because of that. Because you have a cousin that lives in my town that was on the phone that, you know, that was on the phone with one of your students has a cousin. Right. Or uh, if that makes sense, says, yeah, they don't say, hey, don't do martial arts at Colvars. If you're ever in Sacramento, they say, oh, I tried martial arts. It was terrible. The worst experience. Now right. they don't go to your school. So we, it's kind of up. To, I think it all, we, we should all be you know, we're trying to help everybody get better. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, I, but I also think that it's. It's not going to get easier to get new members. I think it's really a retention game because I, I think that you'll be fine in, over the next five years as long as your program is solid. You, you know, and I don't mean just your teaching, but you know, uh, you know, your follow-up, uh, all the things that you do to like really uh, make your school exceptional. And if right. you can do that, I think you're going to be fine. Uh, I see more and more that back in the day, there were a lot of guys that shouldn't be in the business that were in the business. Yeah, well agreed. But they're yeah. not as much anymore because they can't be in the business. It's too competitive now. They, right. It's almost like those guys have been weeded out to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. there's still some, of course. Right. But all in all, I, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, teach, have a high quality program where you are conscious of not just teaching great martial arts, but your communication is really good. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing your staff training really good. You're staying hungry. And if you can do all those things, then I think the future looks bright. That's awesome. I love that. I always say high quality, um, low stress and high profit, right? Those are the three main things as a school owner you should be striving for. And it's I love super, it. super cool. important. So Sensei, I have a question that I'd like to know more about from you is that um, how do you deal with your, how are you dealing with becoming an aging martial artist? Like, you know, <laughs> and I, I'm, I just turned 59. Um, you know, and I think to myself like, wow, I, I never thought I'd be doing this for 30 three going yeah. on 34 years or whatever it is running in the same school. I've been doing it since I was a kid. And now that, you know, I can't move as maybe as quickly as I used to. And I takes a lot longer to heal when I get an injury and, you know, uh -huh. the mindset of the younger generation coming yeah. in, 
Like, how do you, how do you cope with that? It's a, it's an absolute great question. Just first off, just, I got to tell you what I'm doing for my six. I'm going to be 65 in May. I'm actually going to do 65 different forms that day. Oh, great. Right? Cut, which is about my limit. That's about everything I've learned, but, but I'm wiping the cobwebs off and that's cause that's a good challenge. But I share that with you because I think part of it is first off, as far as training goes for me, it's consistency. I, 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 I still train like literally I, I do fitness training pretty much. I might miss one or two days a month, but otherwise, you know, seven days a week, I do something, but I never go for the great workout. I go for the good workout. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. Because the good workout is the one where, oh man, I, bar I barely made it through that set. You're setting yourself up for an injury, right? And and so I go for like my if you were if you were to train with me at the gym today, my workout I did about an eight minute warm up. Uh, my workout was 100 push ups, 100 squats, 100 pull ups in sets of 10, right? And so not terribly, you know. Uh, and then a warm down stretch took me 35 minutes to be done. Uh, I don't go for heavy weight anymore, but I'm super consistent. And I do the same thing with my training. I still, I, 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 I still kick, but very light and not very high, just so I have it if I need it. And then I, I still do a lot of, I do, I do jujitsu. I'll be training in about another hour. Probably I grapple probably three days a week, but I pick my partners and I, I, I'm not afraid to quit early and I just flow really light. And, and so I, it's kind of like the, the issue is if you try to compare yourself to where you were when you were 20, you're going to look bad. If you try to compare yourself with some of your young guys, you're going to feel bad, but you just do what you can do. You focus on what you still can do and enjoy the process. But I'll tell you what, uh, my son and I, my son works for me full time now. And, and we had did a promotion at one of the schools and he asked me to do a demo with him. And I don't do it like demos very, almost never. And, uh, and, uh, you know, so I'm going to go to a school. I'm just not going to do a demo because it takes me 20 minutes to warm up and, you, you know, right. that kind of good stuff. And, and I don't feel the desire or the need to. And, but, but I go, you know, couldn't you? And we're going to do a jujitsu demo. And, uh, and he finally, he looks at me and I'm, he can tell I'm kind of hesitant. He goes, he goes, what, don't you want to do a demo with your dad? You know, it's like, okay, of course you can, how can you not do that? Right. So anyway, I do a demo with him. We do a little, you know, three minute routine and I watch the video and I, while I'm doing it, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I can still move pretty good. Then I watch the video and I'm a friggin' move like an old man. It was like getting up really. I go, what, when did that happen? Yeah. But, uh, Hey man. So I, I, it's a roundabout question about just enjoy the process, you know, do what you can and then, but be respectful of your body because it does change. And the younger guys, what you do now will affect you later. And, and so the sooner you can understand that to back off early, because we think we're invincible, you know, when we're in our 20s and maybe yeah. early 30s. And but if you can learn to respect your body at a younger age, it'll it'll serve you at a later age. Yeah, I never yeah. I, I never learned that lesson. So now I wake up every morning. And I'm, I'm reminded of why I should have. Uh, there was a, so a book understand. that I read, uh, Pearls of Wisdom by uh, somebody who wrote it, but it was that uh, was about Betty White. And um Anyways, I forget the, 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 the guy that they're friends of the family, but he's blind <clears throat> and Betty's older and she's complaining about, you know, she needs help and stuff like that. And uh, the, the, the blind guy basically said to Betty, he goes, look, you're 90 something and you just now need help. He goes, I've been blind since birth and I've always needed help. Mm. And she was like, <laughs> wow, that really put it in perspective. Like I should be. It should be grateful, one, that I didn't need help until 90-something. And two, you've needed help all your life, and you, you, you actually, your perspective is different. So I like that perspective that you brought in as, like, you know, we, need to, we, we do need to give ourselves a little grace and understand that in our head, 
man, we can still do that jump flying sidekick over 20 pads or whatever it is. But in reality, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. 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 And I got to share one story, if you don't mind. It's about gratitude. I know that's what we started with. But uh, four years ago this month, I took off for a three week trip. I, uh, uh, it was March, uh, February, March of 2020. Remember that time very well, right? COVID's just kicking. And I did a three week <laughs> seminar tour. I started in Australia. I went from there to New Zealand and I ended up in the UK and I find myself, it is Saturday, March 14th. And I get a call from my wife saying they're going to close the borders, get home. Okay. And, uh, I'd been falling. So anyway, I, I cut the last few days short. I find myself at the airport in Birmingham, UK, ready to take a flight home. And on the same flight, by the way, it's this surreal environment. I mean, I've never, there was this gray ooze of negativity just sort of filled the airport. I've never been in an environment like that before. There was guys walking around with hazmat suits, taking people's temperatures. Nobody knew what to do yet. Half the gate agents are saying the flights are canceled. The other half say they're still on. There was this uncertainty here. It was really stressful. On the same plane as me, there was a group of uh, college students that had had their semester abroad visas revoked and they're waiting to, you know, to return home. And they're bantering back and forth, having a good old time. And one of the girls realizes she left her phone back at the phone court, at the food court, excuse me. And so she starts stressing out. The plane's about to board. Boyfriend says, I'll go get it. He takes off running. Boom. And so her friends are trying to calm her down. The gate agents telling group one to line up. And, you know, she's like just stressing out. And right as uh, they're about to board the plane. Guess who comes running back, you know, phone in hand, boyfriend. And she gives him this big hug, you know, and she's in a complete state of bliss. Right. And I can identify with that because I lose my phone all the time, but you, you, my wife usually finds it somewhere. It's in the living room, right. Or something. Yeah. But the deal is, is that a uh, half hour earlier before she lost her phone, was she in a state of bliss because she had her phone or did she just have her phone? Yeah. She just had her phone. It took losing it and getting it back for her to appreciate it. So why I share that is we shouldn't have to lose stuff to appreciate. We just have to take inventory. We just have to remember. It's very cliche. But one of the things that that kind of full circle to it, you know, we're so lucky to do what we do. And it's not easy. But we should be grateful for the fact that we get to do what we love. Martial arts yeah. for a living. Is it easy? No, man. Do you have to do a bunch of stuff? Of course you do. But when you go into a situation with that sense of gratitude, you're just funner to be around. And, you know, it's, you end up attracting, you know, a better energy of students when yeah. you're feeling that way than if you're stressed out or, or, or uh, you know, or not appreciative. Right. That's great advice. I, I love it. Your, your podcasts and anytime I hear you on other shows, it, they're just so positive. They're very spiritual. And, and, you know, whether we're talking about business or not, they're very spiritual and you always uplift me. And again, I'm, I'm really honored that I know you and that, you know, we're able to do these things together and be friends. So thank you so much for that. That's because oh, he's the own. Zig Ziglar of martial arts. <laughs> yeah, he's the Ziglar of martial arts. So, um, so get, uh, Sensei Kovar, when you get a chance, get me those links for the, when you're ready and we'll put them all over our, our podcast and, and all on our pages. And, uh, thank you so much. And I'll be seeing you this Friday again. We have a whole host of different things to talk about then on, on our sister podcast with Gus Lopez. So, uh, martial art, uh, marketing for martial arts school owners. Outstanding. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you guys. I always enjoy hanging with you guys. Have a great, great week and, and uh, uh, take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. They can be reached at EliteInsights.com. Add health coaching. 
helping school owners create a new and easy-to-implement revenue stream for your school. Visit adhealthcoaching.com. Lead Hunter Media, your online digital marketer and content provider. Visit leadhuntermedia.com. Academy Kings Growth Consulting and Management Group. They can be reached at academykings.com. And Spark Membership, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. They can be reached at sparkmembership.com. We will see you next time.